Welcome to this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to their written words. This is the Friday version of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where host Landis Wade and his author guests get under the covers. That's right. We get in and out because there are just too many interesting books and engaging authors in the region and not enough time. And just like the longer version of the show, you'll learn interesting facts about the authors and their books, and the authors will read their work. And also like the longer version, you will find images, links, and information about the authors in the show notes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center. And by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. We're also grateful to those of you who offer member support, for which I'm pleased to offer in return member-only content curated with our authors and myself. You can find out more about this member-only content and how you can help authors give voice to their written words at charlottereaderspodcast.com. When Landis is not getting under the cover at bookstores, at events, and on the road, he does it in the well-equipped podcast studio at Advent Coworking, located in the Belmont community near Uptown Charlotte. But enough with the prologue. Let's get under the covers. I'm your host, Landis Wade. Thank you for listening. Hey, listeners, today we're visiting with Catherine Goodman Farley and talking about her children's book collection, Explore with Mimi. The mission of these three books is to share lessons in history, conservation, and faith with children and their families to explore the South Carolina Low Country with Mimi the Deer and her wildlife friends. Each book takes place on an island. Mimi is mischievous on Seabrook Island, adventurous on Kiowa Island, and an explorer on Sullivan's Island. The books have been featured in magazines, on television, and through numerous speaking engagements. Catherine, welcome to the show. Hi, Landis. Thanks for having me this afternoon. I just want to ask you first, are you still a child at heart? You know, I believe that these books, I had grown up a lot, um, maybe too much. And I believe these books kind of reignited a childlike spirit in me in my early 40s. So they've been a fun catalyst for bringing back that childlike spirit that maybe needed to thrive a little bit more in me. Yeah, you said to me, I think that, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and as you reflect on your life and, you know, what the 40s brought to you and different struggles and that kind of thing, you were looking for something, you were looking for something to do, and you sort of had this vision, this idea that maybe you should write something, and the something became these books, right? They did, they did. My children were... Um, in elementary school at the time. And we had a neat tradition when we would travel places, we would always pick up a book that they could enjoy and we'd be able to reflect and have memories when we got back reading about the places we'd visited. And we visited Seabrook Island a good bit when they were younger and there wasn't a book, um, a children's book on Seabrook Island and wheels started turning and doors started opening and we just, this project, my children kind of pushed me along and I began to share with some people that we were trying to write this book and little did I know, but I was surrounded with people in my life that had great knowledge about bringing this book to fruition. And once I had done one, it just brought me such joy and really enjoyed the process that I wanted to keep going. Yeah. Now how old were your children when you started this project? So Madeline um, 
our oldest, she was eight. Mary Catherine, our middle child was six. And then James was, he was three. So he wasn't really involved with the, with the first book at all. Okay. So they're sort of giving you from their age perspective, what needs to go in this book that mommy's going to write. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a lot did of they, fun. Did they volunteer to be your illustrator too? Well, we had, we, we seriously considered that because my oldest daughter, Madeline is quite artistically gifted. Um, but once she started drawing a little bit, I think it just, it felt pretty overwhelming to, to imagine drawing all the scenes. And at that time we, we met an artist who had never illustrated a book before, but um, she was very interested in doing it. And with the guidance of our graphic designer, you know, we were able to tackle that and learn, you know, what specifications we needed to have. So the illustrations Mm -hmm. ended up being um, truly each of them are paintings. So they're watercolor and ink paintings of each Mm -hmm. of the, of the page spreads, which are really pretty fun to have. And that's great. We're going to get under the covers there. But now that Madeline, she's she's grown up, she's now actually become your technical support, right? Because she helped you get on the podcast today. <laughs> she did. <laughs> We're actually using her Chromebook. I'll tell you what. What would I do without him? <laughs> exactly. But but a little bit more about you. You um you've been a practicing physical therapist for for a number of years, and uh, I was just curious how did how did that career path you know sort of help you in writing these children books, if it did or if it didn't. Yeah, I definitely think um, as I reflect back that they are connected. Um, when I was in graduate school, we did problem-based learning was the basis of, of my graduate education in physical therapy. And I truly believe that my ability to problem solve through this whole process of, you know, independently publishing these books um, was largely due to that, that mindset of, being able to try to, you know, figure things out and using your resources and navigating different things so that you can achieve a desired outcome. Let's talk about the book covers, uh, Catherine, before we dive under the covers here. You uh, you have three different books. Uh, who's on the cover? So, well, our main character, Mimi, she stars on, on all the, on all the covers. Um, and if you'll notice throughout the books, there's, there's a bird theme. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. I'm always fascinated by, you know, what, if you will, the bird's eye view. Um, in the first book, we have two birds that work together to help Mimi get out of the pluff mud. For those of you that are familiar with the low country landscape, there's a lot of pluff mud, really nutrient dense um, in marshes and provides a great space for um, lots of the animals to, to thrive. And in the second book, we have a character named Poe the Crow, and he's got quite a fun personality. In the book, he's known as, you know, Poe the Crow in the know. He just, he's a little bit of a know-it-all. And as we all know, crows can be an annoyance here and there. And so they, um, Poe really suits that uh, personality. And then in the last book, um, our two birds that star in this book are Christopher the Cardinal and the Cardinal is, is one of the guides through the book. And I believe there's just an angelic spirit about a Cardinal. And then Peter the Pelican. Pelicans are just such fascinating, um, almost prehistoric birds. And they just have so many neat characteristics. So I wanted to illuminate the Pelican because I really felt like children are interested in the Pelicans because there's such a presence of them on the coast with them diving into the ocean and 
flying overhead in their V formations when they're when you're sitting on the beach. So a great way to um, teach children about a new kind of bird and also about the importance of the protection of these birds. Um, the brown pelican at one point was an endangered species and it's thriving again due to the many efforts of people along the coast. So those are a couple of the ideas, as you have mentioned before, that I want to share with children and families that are reading the books. All right. So we got these book covers. We got uh, we got deer and birds on all the covers. We got a lot of a lot of different colors jumping off the page here. Are you ready to get under the covers now? Absolutely. Let's dive in, <laughs> as Peter says. <laughs> if you like our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, please consider leaving a short written review about Charlotte Reader's podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you leave a review, it helps authors reach more listeners. You can keep up with news about the show and member-only content for our member supporters by joining our email list. We promise not to spam you because, well, that takes too much time. And if you do join the list, we will give you a free ebook written by me, the first book in the Christmas Courtroom Trilogy. Charlotte Reader's Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. All right, so now we're under the covers. We've got Mischievous Mimi Explores Seabrook Island. We've got Mimi Discovers Sullivan's Island. And we've got Mimi's Adventures on Kiowa Island. First question, I assume you've been to all these islands? We have. We have. Yeah. Um, I have just an affinity for Charleston. I lived um, down there a couple of summers during college years and then in between my undergraduate and graduate time, I actually nannied for a family that lived down on Sullivan's Island. So I spent a lot of time down there and really just developed an appreciation for the tremendous preservation and resourcefulness of the people on that island. Yeah. And so island life, it, uh, you know, having grown up going to the beach all these years, you, you hunt for seashells, you know, when the turtles come out, you like to, you know, see what's going on there. You, you kind of explore, you know, the end of the inlets and kind of things. So you've got this exploration and this discovery theme, I think through all these books, sort of an adventure theme too. Is that, is that uh, sort of consistent with your, uh, your vision of what a beach is like too? Absolutely. I, I am one of my gifts, if you will, is that I'm a learner and I, really view the coast as just this endless expanse of, of new things to learn. I mean, there's never, you, you can never learn enough because there's, you know, the abundance of the sea animals and the different seasons that they're there. Um, you always discover something new when you're at the coast. And I just, I love to think about, you know, opening a book, learning more. I love to think about opening my eyes in nature and learning more and more about what's out there. And I think that that's, kind of the purpose of, you know, us as, as humans, as, as we learn things, it's wonderful to share them with our youth or with the people around us. So, um, you know, that's been part of my joy in learning and writing is mm -hmm. being able to share new things with kids. So, so you could have picked all kind, any kind of animal to be your protagonist. Uh, if we want to say there's a protagonist in, in children's books, <laughs> why, why, why a deer and why is the deer named Mimi? Oh goodness. Well, that's a good story. So literally speaking, when we first decided, um, you know, 
to write these books. And truly my girls, Madeline and Mary Catherine were very involved in naming the characters and deciding what characters we would share in the first story on Seabrook Island. And we decided the deer would be the most mobile, if you will, animal, because you find a deer, um, you know, just anywhere on the island, present on the marshes, present in the, um, in the waterways, the ponds. Eating your bushes. Eating your bushes. (laughs) (laughs) And and they just, um, I've even seen a deer out in the ocean, believe it or not. So we felt like the deer could go everywhere. Um, And then the birds were an awesome compliment because they also went everywhere, but they weren't, you know, on the ground, so to speak. Um, And the naming of them is, it's kind of a fun little story. We, as a family have loved watching the sound of music over the years and um, you know, do re me the song and the sound of music. And so we felt like mama do would be a natural, you know, mama do mother and then Ray and me. And at the time when we first wrote the book, we were, you know, we had the name me, am I, and we were my, we realized that uh, the Nintendo Wii, they had a character, me, that was in the Nintendo Wii. So we decided for copywriting purposes, it'd probably be a good idea to to change it. And so we decided on Mimi and that evolved even more so just because they call my mother Mimi. And as I've shared these books um, throughout the region, you know, I've discovered that there are a lot of Mimi's out there that are incredibly beloved. So Mm. it's been a fun character name. Yeah, that's great. And I love the way you talk about how we wrote this book. It sounds like your children uh, wrote it with you as you went. Yeah. I, you know, I truly believe it's been a, it's been a collaborative effort. Um, And that was the really cool part about independently publishing is, you know, we brought together a team of people. Um, My children were of course, very close working on the project, but, um, you know, bringing in the illustrator and the graphic designer and a, and a great print crew and editor, just, it just gelled. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have a read in just a second. Before we do, let's just sort of set up what's going on here. Cause we got, we got book one, we got mischievous, uh, Mimi, uh, and she's exploring Seabrook Island. You introduce, uh, uh, her, the deer, you, you get to uh, her, uh, she's deciding to follow some children uh, who are riding a horse uh, on a sandy trail. They discover the beauty of the barrier island. What kind of things does she find in this uh, in this exploration in the first book? Well, the first book, I, because dolphin strand feeding is one of my favorite occurrences down in the South Carolina Low Country, and it really doesn't, um, it's not something that you see on a, in a lot of coastal areas. It's very unique to that area. She you know, observes dolphin strand feeding, which is the ability of the dolphins to um, teach their young how to gather fish. Um, and then, of course, there's an alligator in the books and really illustrating to the kids, you know, how it's important to stay away from the alligators, not to feed the wildlife um, and just to observe from a distance. So the alligators are um, actually found in both the Seabrook and the Kiowa Island books. And then in the Seabrook book, we've got, um, you know, an osprey and a heron that come together to help Mimi out of the pluff mud. And really at that point, it's illustrating the teamwork and 
the concept of helping each other and we can we can look different and be different but still come together for a common cause um, was one of the the themes that I hope to illustrate through having the different animals working together. Hmm. Okay, good. There's no there's no dads feeding Cheetos or chips to the seagulls or anything like that in no. the book. <laughs> we know that's a big X mark on the beach, but yeah. <laughs> we won't go there. Just All playing right. in the sand and flying kites. <laughs> okay, so okay, so book two, Mimi discovers Sullivan's Island. Uh, it's uh, they're looking at the history and the beauty of that island again in South Carolina, and they're with, as you said, Poe the crow, and he's guiding his dear friends through. Uh, a number of different places. So uh, where do they go and what kind of things do they get into? Well, in this, this story there, a storm comes, comes upon Mimi and Ray and Ray gets washed away in the waterway. And, you know, Mimi spends pretty much the whole entire book looking for her brother. Um, And she does, she really, I think explores a little bit more depth, um, in finding the light. And there's a reflection in there about our faith and how we have to have faith in our journey. And sometimes our path may be lit more brightly than others. Um, There's also a little bit of symbolism as she discovers um, a Catholic church on Sullivan's Island that's very old and historic called Stella Maris. And she seeks refuge and takes a little break under the eaves of the church. So that's symbolic of our rest and our time that we just sometimes need to be still. And then um, she also explores the fort on the island and how um, much of the, the island where they've got different historical things have been preserved and just that people can really enjoy seeing the, the old barracks that are now um, the library is housed in one. So it's really a fun exploration of a lot of the architectural sites on the island, but a lot of underlining theme of letting our light shine and following the light. Oh, that's great. So that leads us into book three, which uh, you got to read from this book. And so you want to just set this read up and then whenever you're ready, you can uh, read this little section. Absolutely. So in the Kiowa book, if you'll notice, there's there's a sound throughout that the Cardinal makes and I love, or I've started to, to enjoy listening to birds and discovering what sounds and songs they sing. And I really felt like the Cardinal had this kiwa, kiwa, kiwa sound. I'm not a singer. So, <laughs> That's not, um, so that, 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 whole, that whole idea um, comes to light at the beginning is Mimi and Ray awaken and they're curious about this sound and but they don't see anything um so it just really i hope encourages children to pay attention to their surroundings and you know you can experience things through all of your different senses it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you see something um you can hear something and experience things as well um i love the quote um by helen keller that says the best and most beautiful things in this world cannot be seen or even heard, but must be felt by, with the heart. And I just feel like that's woven through this book in some ways, because it's, you know, many times what you feel in your heart is, is who you are. Um, and this book is a lot about believing in yourself and really giving compassion and coming together. And the, bir- the birds and the animals in this story illuminate that. All right. So anytime you're ready, just uh, pick it up. Uh... 
we're sort of in the middle toward the end of the book. And uh, I think yeah. there's a pelican, pelican in view here. So uh, take it away. I will. All right. So Peter, Christopher, and their bird friends land on the lookout tower at Marsh Island Park to enjoy the bird's eye view of the marsh. Climb up here, Peter insists. This is one of my favorite spots on the island. Wow. The view is breathtaking. I could stay here all afternoon, says Mimi. Look, cries Peter. There's Blaze the bobcat roaming over there. Oh, yes, replies Christopher. There are many animals that share this amazing island. Like we learned earlier today with the dolphins, we must be considerate of the animal's home. Come on, I want to show you some of the coolest animals on the island. Let's go to Osprey Point, squawks Peter. Kiwa, 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 sings Christopher as the birds take off. Over here, waves Peter. Come quietly and don't walk across the golf course. Mimi and Ray trot toward the pond behind the Osprey Point Golf Club. What are you going to show us, Peter, asks Mimi. Alligators, whispers Peter. They are so big and a little scary, notices Mimi. I think I'll keep my distance. Mimi and Ray trot off quietly, trying not to disturb the alligators. Looking up, they continue to follow Christopher, their unexpected guide to the island. Hi there, I'm Roxy and this is Rosie. We are Rosiette Spoonbills. Hello there, I'm Ray, and this is my sister Mimi. You stand out like we do, comments Rosie. What are those things coming out of your head? My antlers, replies Ray. I grow a new pair every year after they shed in the winter. Wow, now that's a one-of-a-kind animal feature, Roxy replies. Just like my fancy flat beak. It helps me to eat in these shallow, muddy ponds. Isn't it awesome how we're all made for special purposes, notices Mimi? I love being one of a kind. Peter, Christopher, Rosie, and Roxy and their bird friends fly off toward the ocean course golf course. Hurry along, Ray, shouts Mimi. The sun is going down and I want to catch up with our friends. The birds land along the golf course. Mimi and Ray trot over to meet them. These are the nesting boxes for our bluebird friends, Peter announces. They lay their eggs in the boxes so they are protected. Yes, they look very cozy and safe, except the one that's on the ground, notices Ray. You're right, Ray, Mimi comments. I thought it was a golf ball. A golf ball, replies Ray. You must be having a hard time seeing with the sun setting. The moon lights the way to the beach for Mimi, Ray, and their bird friends. My wings are tired, Peter whispers. I bet they are, Mimi replies. But wait, Peter, before you rest, look, look down the beach. Sea turtle hatchlings are making their way back to the ocean. I can't believe I'm up late enough to see this happen, whispers Mimi. It is past your bedtime, Mimi, but I think seeing sea turtles is worth it, nudges Ray. Can you imagine how those sea turtle hatchlings must feel crawling across the sand, swimming through the waves, and going into the huge ocean? wonders Mimi. They are the most courageous animals I have ever seen. They are brave animals, says Peter. They believe in themselves and persevere, just like you did when you rescued me today. You're right, Peter, nods Mimi. When we believe in ourselves, we become who we are meant to be. Mimi and Ray nestle in behind the sand dunes at Sandy Point while their bird friends take flight across the inlet to their resting place on Bird Key. 
Good night, friends, Mimi whispers. Thank you for an amazing day exploring Kiowa Island. Sweet dreams, dear friends. May your memories of this day be held in your heart forever, sings Christopher. Kiwa, Kiwa, Kiwa. There you go. All right, good. And also, just uh, listeners, there's a nature's guide in the back, and I suppose this is not only for the children, but for the parents who are reading to the children to uh, talk to them about uh, the wildlife and uh, what you find uh, in that part of the uh, of the low country. Yes, there are, Landis. And I wanted to also point out there's um, some resources. And in this Kiowa book, we have a section called Pondering on the Point that provides some really insightful questions for discussion um, that hopefully families can embrace and and discuss some of the concepts in the book, the themes, and pull out some different thoughts that they may have enjoyed. Yeah, well, that's great. So just quickly, we only have a few minutes left for some writing life questions. Uh, what is uh, what is writing these three books uh, meant to you in your journey, uh, not just as a writer, but in terms of, you know, your life goals and sort of, you know, what's different now than it was before for you? Well, it's definitely been an unexpected gift for me. Um, I have to be honest, it was not anything I ever anticipated doing in my life. Um, I'm not one that lives by a huge bucket list, if you will, but I really um, feel like many times things are gifted to us and opportunities gifted us that are unexpected And after having lived through the last five or six years and all of the just interesting little paths that this has taken me down and the interesting people that I've met, um, it's just something that I never would have expected. And I'm thrilled to continue to just as opportunities and these moments present themselves to be open to them. Um, Just like today being on a podcast, this Mm -hmm. was a fun new experience and I'm just delighted to share my thoughts. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and you mentioned actually to me before the podcast that you, uh, after your first book, you wanted to get into writing more. And, and so you started taking classes and and engaging with other authors. And so you kind of caught that writing author connection buzz where you hang out with like-minded people who are interested in telling stories and how do we get this done? And that's been part of your journey as well, as I understand. Absolutely. I, um, Actually, as a physical therapist, I had a long-term client that I had worked with who I really had not, we had really never gotten to know that side of each other. And he, as it turns out, had a degree in creative writing and was just an incredibly um, insightful and valuable person in this process. And we formed a, you know, writing critique group um, that was invaluable in getting these books, um, you know, really having beta readers, people that provided feedback. And I I utilized a lot of my friends um, and their families to, to provide, you know, feedback as we were editing and going through um, the book, because when you're writing children's books, each word really has to have a lot of, a lot of impact because there aren't a lot of words in a children's book. Um, yeah, and every word matters. You got economy of words there, and uh, and just another plug: Ma- Maureen Ryan Griffin, who's a great author locally, who was on the podcast too. You were connected with her and her Tuesday morning wordplay group, and I assume that was helpful to you. And absolutely, 
yeah. I um I hope you can see the reflection of Maureen's bright light in the in the Mimi discovers Sullivan's Allen book because she yeah. had um she was a, just a tremendous help on that book and I loved being in her writing group just the creativity and um the creativity yet the structure um it's which is a really interesting combination to have um as a writer I think it's a true gift when you can have the incredibly creative gift and be able to structure and move forward with putting things together. And I think Maureen absolutely exemplifies that. So she was a tremendous impact. So we run out of islands for Mimi to explore. Has Mimi got something else up her, uh, up her fur or has she got something uh, <laughs> in mind? Or are you going to be yeah. writing something different next? Or what do you yeah, got? Yeah, under her spots. <laughs> yeah. She's... Yeah. Um, Mimi is, I think, explored the islands for right now. I, three feels very complete to me. Um, I'm really enjoying exploring, speaking more, and using my books as a platform for sharing um, some some of my ideas, the themes that are in the books, believing in yourself, and um, not being afraid to step through an open door, or open window when it presents itself. So those have been some of my themes for some speaking engagements that I've done. And I've really enjoyed um, that component of being an author. So I hope to bring that to the light a little bit more. I've also done um, some work with some people that have been interested in doing independent publishing and have journeyed with them through their process of independent publishing. And I've really enjoyed sharing all the amazing contacts that I've made through this with other people so that, you know, they can make their dreams come to fruition. Yeah. And that's a great segue because as we're out of time here, I'm just going to plug the fact that uh, you're also going to be part of our uh, Patreon author panel on our Patreon page. You and I are going to be talking about uh, independent publishing and how you went that route with these uh, children's books and some ideas and tips and suggestions you have. So listeners, if you, haven't checked out our Patreon page, go take a look, poke around there and uh, see if there's some things you like. You can uh, join and help support the podcast. It's uh, Patreon. It's uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N uh, dot com slash Charlotte Readers Podcast, all one word. And Catherine's going to be on there with me uh, to, talking about those issues. Catherine, it's been great having you on the show. Um, I, uh, I look forward to see what Mimi gets into next, uh, but uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Landis. It's been my joy. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to their written work. Landis will be back next Friday getting under the covers with another interesting author. But before then, coming on Tuesday, we'll have another long-form episode with readings and conversations about the written words and the writing life of a local or regional author. Landis loves helping authors give voice to their written words, but he can't do it alone. If you're inclined to help me help authors give voice to their written words, please consider becoming a member supporter. We'd love to have you as a member. And when you join at certain levels, we'll give you access to member-only content curated by the authors and me. Would you like to hear more from the authors? Perhaps a variety of presentations on writing craft, or additional readings, or tips on marketing and social media. Would you like some behind-the-scenes insights and reflections from me, or some edited content from previous episodes without interruptions. You can find out more about these member-only benefits and how to become a member supporter at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Until next week. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast.